From Bureaucracy's Basement to your ears, this is the weekly meeting of the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Each week, the dedicated staff of the Bureau make improvements, file reports, and try to survive on water that drips from the boiler pipes into our open mouths as we sleep on a bed of dot matrix printer paper. Maybe one day we'll escape from the subterranean hell that is this basement, but until that day comes, this city is not going to improve itself. So here we stay. Improving things. This meeting is now in session. Oh! Ah, oh, what? What, what? what is this sensation that oh. I'm feeling? Um, did you manage to, like, knock a hole in the wall? Is it fresh air? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. All Ooh. I know is that, like, not too long ago, I was constantly, my body would constantly shiver, and mm-hmm. I constantly felt like uh, all of the like warmth and life was being leached out by the clammy cold of the walls. And now I can barely breathe and, and water is seeping out of every surface on my body. And I'm not cold. I don't understand what's going on. Ah, okay. Okay. Um, so there's a, from what I understand, there's a giant invisible man in the sky, and his only job is to, like, futz with the thermostat. Uh, and around this time of year, he cranks the thermostat up. Oh, that makes sense. I, so I think it's somebody think upstairs. It's, right. I think, I think it's in an attempt to, like, roast us alive so he can consume us. But so far, we, uh, we prevail. Well, I don't feel better. I'm actually annoyed now. Now that I know there's like some agency behind this, this miserable sensation. Right. I'm going to write a very sternly worded letter. Oh, wow. Yeah, there's, I believe there's, there's literal books written on this one. So, yeah. Yeah. So just, you know, you can put down your thoughts. We'll send it upstairs in one of our files. Okay. And, And maybe, maybe the people upstairs will turn the thermostat down and go from trying to roast us alive Back to trying to like freeze us alive. Well, maybe what we should do is do attendance so that my complaint becomes official. Uh, okay. Um, no. Part of our minutes. Here's the thing: uh, I would do attendance, but I, uh, I, I, I've misplaced the attendance sheet. And I know you look familiar, but I, I'm sorry, I, I don't recall your name. That's okay. I've been calling myself Paul Deshane for several years now. Oh, nice. We'll go with that. I like um, the way it sounds. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I found uh, every so often I find a piece of paper that w- with the name Aiden Morgan on it. And I and every time I'm like, you know, it's not the best, but I'll take it. So I'm going to call myself Aiden Morgan. All right. Okay. Well, the attendance Ooh. done. Do we have quorum? No. Oh. Uh, but we do have a guest. Excellent. Yes. Hello. Uh, hello, hello, guest. I, according, <laughs> according to my notes here. We have Don Young, the executive director of the Cathedral Village Arts Festival. Hello, Don. Hello, boys. Boys. And I, too, am stuck down here, either in the basement or <laughs> deeper someplace that we don't want to go. But I'm stuck here with you, too. And uh, my, my toes are just recovering from being frozen. <laughs> 
And uh, now I'm going to have to change the underwear because uh, it's now like underwear changing season. So, uh, <laughs> I, so I feel right at home down here in the stinky basement. Well, don't you have a festival to put on? Are you, you like, are you escaping from the festival? Uh, well, the festival in my mind left me a long time ago. Oh, no. And I, but, you know, I had to keep uh, body and soul together, right? And I, I had to pay off that student loan. Uh, that's still lingering like a piece of dead meat hanging, uh, <laughs> hanging, whatever the bad analogy is uh, <laughs> from the flagpole uh, 40 years later. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I've taken this uh, small professional enterprise, uh, which, of course, as uh, it, any clerk knows, is the job from hell, because every clerk's job is not the way it was pitched to the clerk when they walked in and said, please hire me. So the job is quite different. However, uh, I am in a bizarre sense enjoying it. So uh, yeah, we have a festival starting in five days. And what a Holy festival crap. it will be. Holy crap, mm. five days. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, indeed. So, so if you say what a festival it will be, but what will this festival be like? Tell, tell us some of the some of the big things about uh, about well, the, the festival. The, the, the festival will be uh, music and art and poetry and literature and Sherlock Holmes. The Friday Saturday night it is rock and roll all over Cathedral. So uh, yeah, we probably have the uh, quote-unquote biggest band ever to play the festival, mm -hmm. uh, who are there are closing band on the Saturday night, uh, 11 to midnight. Uh, the, who the, is it? Uh, the band is called, what are they called? Uh, what are they called? Oh, yeah, they're called F***ed Up. That, that, is, that is quite the get. I got, I got to say. And for the, the retailers or the homeowners in Cathedral, I think it's like uh, going to be like a, a, a sonic boom echoing <laughs> down 13th. as Because, uh, uh, you know, the band, right, they won the Polaris Prize back in 204. I mean, that's mm -hmm. like some serious cred. Uh, they've been on a, on a big world tour with the Foo Fighters. Got a glowing review in the New York Times have a number of uh, lawsuits from back back in the day. And uh, just through serendipity and hard work, uh, uh, the guys who were kind of in the neighborhood, we made them a really small offer and said, please, please, we're like a festival of aging boomers and hardworking people. Please come and play our festival. And they said, uh, yes, we will come and play one set at your festival. So on Saturday night, the last Saturday night of the festival, uh, from 8 to midnight, we have four terrific bands. And from 11 to 12, we have up. So there you go. So to answer your question, that's only one dimension of what a great, uh, great festival it'll be. On the other side of the coin, we have uh, Sherlock Holmes Mystery on the Tuesday night at the Artesian, done by uh, the uh, um, Regina irregulars and that's that's not a new marketing campaign for the city just just let me get that out there right now it's, uh, they're <laughs> actually called the regina irregulars and they're doing the the, the name uh, eludes me right now like the spotted snake or the or something like that hmm. um so they're doing it the guys had a really clever idea and they're doing it as an orson wells style stage play 
where on stage left, you know, the lights come up and the announcer's there in front of a big Elvis Presley style mic saying, you know, this just in, this has happened and who somebody's died and oh my God, like, let's go and see what's going on. Dip to black up on the other side of the stage to actors playing out uh, one of the scenes. So, and then kind of back and forth in that sort of classic two-hander model. And uh, I think that'll be really terrific on the Tuesday night. Before then, uh, we have the Breaking Down uh, 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 Barriers uh, Disability Theatre Group. And these folks mm -hmm. won big time at Yorkton uh, last week for their play. So they're going to come and play that for us. And then early in the evening at 6.30, we've got this, the, uh, the Prairie Sky School Kids coming to do uh, sort of a zombie apocalypse uh, kind of stage play. So Tuesday night, it's theater night at the Artesian. Awesome. Zombies with the kids, uh, uh, the disability folks, and then Sherlock Holmes to round the evening off. So that's Tuesday yeah. night. And so that's probably our most low energy night. I mean, that energy, wow. that energy would be fit right into the basement with you guys. Ooh. Ouch. <laughs> uh, so uh, just to note, uh, the, the Tuesday night, the irregulars, the plays, uh, it's the Sherlock Holmes Adventure of the Speckled Band. Oh, right. That's right. Thank you. Yeah. And that's eight o'clock at the Artesian. Right. Yeah. No, no, and 10 o'clock. No, 10 o'clock at the Artesian. Oh, sorry. I'm so wrong. We, yeah, we, we flipped them. We flipped the 10. We flipped the time. Okay. So that's Tuesday. Uh, yeah. What we decided to do was kind of theme the week. So theaters on Tuesday, film is uh, on Wednesday, dance is on Thursday. And then, you know, ton of music at the Mercury and the uh, Indigo Joseph, uh, the big tent, uh, big top tent uh, behind Holy Rosary. And uh, so music Friday, street fair Saturday, uh, the vendors, vendor bookings are up about 20, 25 percent. So there'll be close to 300 vendors. Uh, we've had a, 46 busker applications. So there'll be a ton of buskers uh, sprinkled up and down uh, 13th. And then uh, Saturday night, you know, we've got all this great music. So uh, it will be a festival for the ages. And you guys down in the basement, if you can get yourself up the storm sewer and get out onto the street for a bit, come and, uh, come and enjoy it. We will. The storm sewer. Oh, we could have been leaving all this time. We never tried the storm sewer. We're, right. Oh, man. So dumb. Yeah. I always thought it was like a water slide and kept waiting for someone to show up. You know, it pays to actually, you know, think outside the box. So, Don, what is the overarching sort of theme this year? Like, what do you got going on on that? Yeah, well, we thought and we thought and we thought and we put our little brains together and we went over a whole bunch of T-shirt kind of themes that uh, we just thought didn't resonate well with the times that we live in. So then one of the uh, clever people of our planning group came up with the idea uh, of the word home, H-O-N-E, the noun home, a word we use all the time, uh, but we don't really think about it that much. And, and it seemed that, you know, in this time of reconciliation and moving towards sort of true respect, true reconciliation, uh, it was a good word. Um, also, you know, there's Ukrainian kids being bombed out of their homes and coming here. It's a good word. 
Also, the institution of marriage is changing all around us, and kids are having one, two, sometimes three homes. It's a good word for that reason. So we thought home was a, like, you know, any festival, um, just like your life down in the basement, you know, it has to have a story behind it. And we felt that the story of the word home in these changing times was one worth having. It's sort of provocative. We've had, uh, you know, we've had some feedback, some uh, some people saying like, what do you mean? You know, this is my home. I, I've been living here 30 years and we love living in cathedral. We're never living anywhere else. Yeah, that's fine. You have a house. That's great. I get it. But is your house actually a home? And I mean, you would know sort of down in the basement of City Hall, uh, not to get you into trouble, but the whole discussion about homeless and houseless and whether or not that gets reflected in the budget and how that plays itself out in your professional lives. So the concept of houselessness and homelessness and having a home really seemed to resonate well with us. So uh, we, we've asked all the artists to try and incorporate the concept of home into in some aspect of their performances, which is interesting. Hmm. Um, I'm very interested to see how that plays itself out. And on the Thursday night at the Connaught Library, uh, the folks at the library have been great. Uh, they've opened up the library for a sort of a writer's salon kind of round table of indigenous writers and, and uh, colonial colonist writers and young writers to sort of kick around the concept of home through their own literature. So yeah. there'll be some conversation, maybe some arguing, maybe some arm wrestling, and a whole heck of a lot of readings from the new works of these writers. Nice. So uh, that's, so that's that, our theme. That's Thursday at 7 at Connaught Library. Right. Who's known as this anyways? And you've got Trevor Harriet. He's quite famous here. Yes. Carol Rose Golden Eagle, right. Tara Giroux, uh-huh. and Irene Tushabe as well. So this is Della right. Big yeah, I used to work. I used to work at APTN back in one of my my many oh. many short term jobs of my career, um, uh, and I I uh, was the quote bureau chief for the APTN network when it started, which oh. everybody in the press gallery found ridiculously funny, and <laughs> I actually had a card saying Don Young, bureau chief APTN, and Carol was our host. Carol was the. Uh, you know, the, the Lisa Laflamme uh, of uh, APTN. And she was fantastic on air, and but she was too smart. She got out of TV really quickly and is now the Poet Laureate here in Saskatchewan. And uh, she's terrific. She's a role model and a terrific writer and a wonderful poet. So, yeah, we have, we have Carol. And we also have my buddy Trevor Harriet. And I mm. call him my buddy because I had no idea who he was when I was sitting beside him at multinational a couple of months ago, having a beer. And he said to me, so what do you do? And I said, Oh, I work at the festival, but I'm really a writer. And then I proceeded to bore him to death with some of my bad ideas. <laughs> and I said to him, so what do you do? He said, Oh, I'm kind of a writer too. And then I went, Oh yeah. So the next morning when I got up, I Googled him and it was like, Oh, f- right. That's who he is. <laughs> And so, Trevor Harriet, I salute you and thank you for being part of our writer's salon. <laughs> I did. I went and bought your books as well. So uh, there you go. 
Nice. Uh, so we're on 91.3 FM CJTR, Regina Community Radio. Uh, we're the Queen City Improvement Bureau, and we're here today with Don Young, Executive Director of the Cathedral Village Arts Festival. So are there, uh, are there other things that you're looking forward to? I, I understand that dance is a big thing this year. Yeah, yeah. I know nothing about dance, right? Uh, as a pudgy 60-year-old white guy, I am not going to offer any opinions on who's a dan- good dancer and who's not. So we did do something reasonably bright. We, uh, we contacted Dance Saskatchewan and we mm. let them curate our dance so on the Thursday night, we have some spectacular, according to Dance Saskatchewan, and I believe them, some spectacular dance shows. I think we have eight different events from 5.30 onwards, 5.30 to, I think, 9.30. At the Artesian. At the Artesian. And uh, so it's everything from a Bangladeshi sort of interpretive dance to a youth ballet dance uh, to... Uh, you know, some more contemporary dance, although FADA, and everybody in Regina knows and loves FADA, mm-hmm. FADA's not on that Thursday night. FADA's uh, playing under the big top on Friday, Friday night, just before uh, the Andino Suns, I think. Nice. The, the dance cohort of the festival is going to be one of those must-see events. Um uh, 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 Dance Saskatchewan was telling me they they had about 60 applicants from different dance troops in the Regina and Central Saskatchewan area. And the quality of the dancers and the troops was so strong that they're actually thinking of uh, creating a dance festival in the years to come. Which oh, cool. you know, for for me, you know, at, at this festival, I mean, I I cannot I I can't think of a better compliment for our festival than to have these little dandelion spores go out there and seed the cultural landscape of of the prairies, right? Yeah. I mean, what a legacy! What a legacy to mm-hmm. festival to be encouraging and and mentoring other other fest- festivals in specific uh, uh, disciplines. You guys, on the Saturday night, you're also partnering with another festival, Regina Folk Fest, at the Artesian again. We are. We are. And our, our good buddy, Carl Johnson, who is well-known around the city, he's mm-hmm. made, uh, made uh, a kind of a deal, deal with the festival that they can curate some, some artists for us. And uh, I, 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 again, I, I'm sort of new to the city. I've, you know, been here four or five months, so I don't know a lot of these bands. Um, but I do know Carl. I have consumed many beers with Carl, and I believe him. Beer drinking or not beer drinking, and <laughs> when he says they're awesome. They will be awesome. So that's from 9 p.m. till midnight at the Artesian, and the bands are. And I'm just going to say them like I know this, these names: <laughs> uh, Aurora Wolf. Carl Oak and Think Tank will be uh, on their bill that night. Right. Kind of like you guys, like Think Tank, like you guys. That's exactly what we are. I mean, there's a tank of sorts, but I don't know about the thinking, but. I I feel like we're more of like a bureaucratic hothouse. Overall, you are feeling pretty, pretty, pretty up on this year's festival. I am. I I personally am feeling tired, uh, sleeping badly. Um, not drinking because that would not be good at this time. And all these are sort of good things for me to do because the content, and I know this sounds self-aggrandizing, but what the heck, 
Um, the content is fantastic. Have you ever personally been to an arts festival? Well, not this one. No, I, I, I have not. I have not. So you're going to be, you're like creating a festival. And then starting on Monday, you're also going to be experiencing your I first am. festival. I am the Virgin Festival Director. That's exciting. I, so, I'll say. So you have no idea what to expect? Uh, no, no. Although I've spent so much time on the phone with the various artists. And, you know, today I was calling everybody who's going to be in the parade at breakfast time. Because we've got about 20, 25 people who've signed up for the parade and I wanted just to talk to each one of the uh, the groups, right? Just, you know, yeah. your issues and what are you going to do? And, you know, I was talking to the guy who was wearing the furry costumes and a lovely guy. And he's got four or five of buddies in mascot costumes. And I said, well, you know, the weather forecast is like 28, 29 degrees. So uh, we started thinking about, well, we better have lots of water stations along the festival route. Mm. So I'm doing that kind of due diligence, you know, I was talking to the BMX lady and she was saying, well, you know, we've got all these kids on BMXs, but they get so cranked up on their bikes and they're doing loops and scooting around. So don't put them behind any slow moving band because chances are the <laughs> tuba player is going to get whacked by a BMX band or okay. BMX bike. So, you know, I've been doing that. So I, I do have a kind of a sense of the personalities in the parade. Uh, Carl and I have curated a really good run of show, a music show for the picnic stage. We've got about eight uh, eight different groups, all all playing and performing for about 20 minutes each, so not too long. Everything from the Boomtown drums are going to do a drum circle of 25, 30 different djembes, different, you know, all sorts of different drums. Uh, the lady today, she said to me, uh, Joanne, she said to me, now look, just because we're drummers doesn't mean that we don't have a set that we want to play. Yeah, I did not know that. She said, now, like, don't give me the hook after 15 minutes because we'll be in the middle of our set. <laughs> so I'll do a 20, 25-minute set for you. So we have them. We have the, the Northern Lights Bluegrass kind of collective from uh, Northern Saskatchewan. Going to come down and play, you know, John Prine and uh, – uh, 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 Jason Isbell and Will Carter and all sorts of great old farm CCF type banjo and mandolin, you know, early Colin James kind of vibe to it. So that'll be mm. fantastic. And then I'm thinking of uh, uh, ending the show with a collective tribute to Gordon Lightfoot. Okay. So we're going to pull the musicians, oh. the folks who stick around back up on stage we're going to encourage the audience to join in. I'm going to sing. Uh, our wonderful chair, Cam Fraser, is going to sing. Uh, the planning committee, they don't know it yet, but we're, I'm going to drag them up. Most of them are going to sing with the musicians. And I think we're going to do a early, early, in the early morning rain. Nice. It's short. Nice. It's kind of bittersweet. Yep. Most of the audience will know it. And we'll try and get the community singing and just saying thank you to Gord and, you know, paying our respect to him. Nice. Well, so well, I don't know. I don't know about you two, but I really want to hear up doing a cover of uh, Wreck of the Eben Fitzgerald. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> I think that'll be awesome. But you do have like a tribute on, again, is it the Thursday? We do. Yeah, on the Thursday uh, night. 
Yeah. Now, on, the, on the Thursday night at uh, Penny University, you know, Annabelle's lovely little shop down on, on 13th, we're doing a tribute to the founder of the festival, Ken Mitchell, and his buddy, George Grassick, badass cowboy poet, Mm. Uh, he has written a personal sort of tribute. George and Ken used to be running mates back in the day when they were, you know, mischievous boys. And uh, George is very fond of Ken. And Ken's wife, Jean, is going to be there. So we've sort of collaborated a bit to have a, 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 a sort of respectful, uh, affectionate tribute for uh, 10 or 15 minutes to Ken. And George actually scooted up to Cowtown today to buy and can. I hope you're not listening because this is spoiler <laughs> alert, but we're going to give you a cowboy hat. So we bought a very nice cowboy hat that will actually fit. We got the size oh. from, and George is going to uh, read his personal tribute poem to Ken and uh, then give him the hat. Everybody's going to have a tear in their eye and we're going to like applaud and have a nice <clears throat> So, yeah, that's Thursday night at Annabelle's place at about, I think it's about 530. 630. Is it 630? Yeah, around 630. And then Annabelle has a book launch. She's written, you know, one one of her books about what it's like running a bookstore during COVID. And so after the Ken tribute, there's going to be a book launch and some readings from Annabelle's book. So that'll be a nice too, nice night too. So as you can see, there's a ton of great content. And of course, you know, the street fair on the Saturday, 300 vendors, every jar of uh, Saskatoon berries and munchies that you want to buy, they'll be on, on, on display. The Holophone uh, Audio Collective, they'll be playing. Uh, it's drone day. And mm-hmm. it's not flying drone, that's audio drone. So it's drone day. So the Holophone boys will be playing at the Artesian all day. So if it's hot and you want to chill out and just, uh, you know, have some uh, some meditation time, pop into the Artesian and, uh, you know, listen to Holophone. All right. Well, with that, we are pretty much out of time. Thanks a lot. Wow. Well, that's, yeah. And this sounds like a great festival this year. Yeah. Well, like, I wanted to give you something to give you a little bit of hope for your life down in the basement down there. So. You know, so I know you probably won't be able to be there, but you'd be like one of those old American in- inmates who was in Alcatraz in the 50s. They would lie in their bunks and they would play baseball games in their minds to pass the time. Yes. So when you're down in the basement, you can close your eyes and just pretend you're uh, uh, at the festival. All right. Well, oh. thanks a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And with that, we should get to Innovative Revenue Tools. All right, we're back from Innovative Revenue Tools. Ooh, nice. Oh, hey, we uh, something we didn't do, uh, we forgot to mention or get Dawn to mention that if you have any questions about the Arts Festival, like exact time, stuff like that, you go to www.cvaf.ca. Right. Also, he mentioned something about the festival being five days away, but I'm assuming that that's five days away from Tuesday. Yeah. And it by the time the series, it starts the holiday Monday, the, uh, oh, sorry, May 22nd. Right. And it never ends. Yep. That's it. That we're just the festival city after that. Just forever. Going from festival to discussing the circus that is our hall. Oh, man. So nice nice segue. There was a council meeting on the 10th, and holy moly. Uh, it was supposed to be just a normal 
regular old fashioned council meeting with, you know, some discretionary use applications, stuff like that, some appointments to some boards. But then at the last minute added to the agenda was the integrity commissioner's year end report and two friggin' new integrity commissioner complaint reports that were going to be discussed at council. Wow. So, so basically, yeah. it th- so it was just normal, normal, normal. And then right at the very end, oh, and here are some Molotov cocktails we're going to throw into the chamber and run. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. So the integrity commissioner's report, we'll start there because that's how we'll do it chronologically. So the integrity commissioner came out with her report. And so she was basically looking at the last year in which there was some integrity drama. And uh, Angela Krupp is her name, and she's a lawyer, and she's also the integrity commissioner for Saskatoon. A lawyer, you say? Mm, I don't trust them lawyers. Right. We all know they trick you. Yeah. They'll, tr- they'll trick an entire council into, into voting for something. So she came up with uh, three recommendations. So those are that uh, currently, apparently, the uh, integrity commissioner, their jurisdiction does not extend to conduct at city council meetings. So if a councillor says something really outrageous, and we saw some of that over the last year uh, at council and the public writes in to complain, there's nothing she can do about it. So uh, apparently there were some formal complaints about utterances in council. Those uh, she had to dismiss. She couldn't follow up on them because they're outside the scope of her jurisdiction. So her first recommendation is if people and council and the city want my job to be looking into, you know, breaches of decorum or breaches of ethics in council chambers, uh, then you're going to have to like write it into the act. The second point was that uh, the complaint process right now under the code, if she gets a complaint in and she has to dismiss it for any reason, like say it was something that went wrong at council, uh, that just remains private. Even the counselor who's been complained about doesn't know about it. That's the way the act is written up. So her recommendation is, you know, it'd be kind of nice if I could give somebody a heads up. Like if I had the authority to say to, to take somebody aside, anonymize all the information and say, here's what people are saying about you. You might want to tone it down. The third thing is that the code needs to be modernized. It was written in 2017. But she also made a few other comments just about the general tenor of the last year of city council. And um, I'm just going to jump to a clip because a certain counselor took offense at uh, her general comments about uh, council behavior. And uh, it's, it's a pretty telling moment. This kind of, this sort of sets the stage for much of how council went for the rest of the day. And I will play that now. Shani. Councillor Hawkins. Uh, thank you, Mayor. Commissioner, you were careful in your remarks. I believe you read your remarks, which would be appropriate. And Councillor Zakidniak referred to a sentence, which I also thought I heard. I'm wondering if you can read that sentence out to us carefully. Through the chair, I believe the sentence you are speaking of is, I am seeing some conduct from council members that is not meeting that high ethical standard. Without naming names, can you tell us, can you give us the examples of the conduct 
that you're referring to in your statement? Through the chair, I think that probably gets into maybe a little more detail. Um, the code does require me to consider confidentiality. Um, so it's meant to be a generic statement. It was not intended to be specific, specifically directed at any individual. Commissioner, it's a dramatic generic statement. Maybe the most dramatic that I've heard in my 10 years on council. Without specifics of the behavior referring to, I'm going to respectfully say to you that you've smeared the whole council and that that's inappropriate. Do you want to comment on that? Through the chair, um, I've released one so far public investigation report in 2022 and found a violation of the Code of Ethics. When you find any violation of the Code of Ethics, the result is that that member of council is not meeting those high ethical standards. So that would be one example that I can speak of today. Any other examples? Any time someone is found in violation of the Code of Ethics, then they clearly are not meeting that high ethical standard, which is why the violation has been found. And are you prepared to say on the basis of that that, uh, that this council is not meeting the highest ethical standards? Through the chair, I don't think my statement was reflective on every single member of council. Thank you. One last question. You also said, in response to Councillor uh, Stevens' questioning, that everyone has a subjective view. These are very broad concepts, and I think they are subject to highly subjective views. Why is your subjective view better than Councillor LeBlanc, who's a lawyer, and the city solicitor, who's a lawyer, than mine, who's a lawyer, than the mayor, who's an experienced uh, person dealing with council bodies, than Councillor Stevens. How do you prevent your subjective view from overreaching? Through the chair, um, through the investigation process, I am mindful of the subjective view. I take into consideration subjective views all of the time because the complainant has a subjective view. The respondent has a subjective view. But I take that in the context of looking at every single complaint that I am looking at from an objective observer point of view. And that's how um, I don't look at the complaints from my own subjective point of view. I conduct the investigation based on the procedures in the code and best practices to the extent that I can for investigations, but my subjective view does not come into play. That too is a dramatic statement. I have one further question. Comes out of Councillor, follows on from Councillor Stevens' questioning. You can define respect in many ways. And you used the word context just now. And I think you probably agree with me that when you define respect in this context, in this elected context, you have to look at other elected bodies for guidance in terms of what respect means. I'm sure you and probably everybody else in this room has watched the conduct of provincial legislatures and the federal parliament. When you take that into account, are you prepared to say that us 
as elected officials doing our work are less respectful than those bodies doing their work? Through the chair, I don't recall saying that, actually. I, I wasn't, asked if that's what you were saying. Uh, through the chair, no, I'm not. I'm not comparing this council to any other council. Thank you. Or legislative body. Thank you, Mayor. So that was Councillor Hawkins interrogating the Integrity Commissioner. Well, hey, okay, okay, let's, I, I want to do some role play. So let's, let's, let's have you be the Integrity Commissioner okay. and I'll be Councillor Hawkins. Okay. Uh, does the Commissioner think that she's better than me? Does she think she's better than me? I, I don't think I ever said I was better than you, Councillor. I, I think, I think you think you're better than me. And I think, I think you're, your very dramatic like comparison of us to question period at Sask legislature is is invidious wow i just sorry that was bizarre i mean yeah. I, I i can understand thinking oh she she's smearing she she's taking a swipe at us but uh, that was that was in, in councilor hawkins measured and loyally way an absurd overreact yeah. And that he has no idea what she's talking about. I mean, we've we've all been there. We've seen we've seen the moments where this council has descended into pandemonium. Like it's not hard to imagine what examples she's thinking of. No. Obviously he just wanted to. Also, uh Stevens tried to make the same comparison that we treat each other as well as they do at the ledge. Uh at the ledge, civilians don't come in and participate, right? We have seen some unacceptable questioning of civilians at council, especially during the uh, conversion therapy ban, uh, six days, four days of hearings that they had on that. We have seen some civilians have come in and felt very disrespected by city council. So yeah, council does have to live up to a higher standard because they're working with non-professionals. They also question administration, which you don't do in, in like the parliament or the legislature. And so again, there's like, you know, there's like a power imbalance there that they have to be mindful of. Mm-hmm. So that's where things Oof. started. Wow. That's, that's, that's quite a start. Like you could, t- I mean, you could tell, I mean, that's, I, I couldn't tell if Councillor Hawkins was genuinely upset or whether he was sort of, Doing a bit of loyally grandstanding, which then, which then became actual anger. I couldn't quite tell. That's quite a tone to, yeah. to, to start things off with. And especially like, and there seemed to be a question buried in there, which was what makes you the integrity commissioner qualified to talk about integrity? Like, I mean, and the obvious answer is because it's my job, counselor. Yes. Yeah. And uh, throwing gas on that fire was a follow-up report. Uh, There was a, we're back to talking about the homelessness funding motion from June of last year. Oh boy. Where Councilor LeBlanc brought forward a motion that said, you know, we're going to put a funding item in the budget for ending homelessness. Council voted unanimously for it. The very next day, the mayor went on CBC and took a victory lap and talked about how, and her words on the morning edition 
were, she said, on the end of homelessness motion, what was decided was the motion required a line item within the budget specific to the plan to end homelessness. So council unanimously approved that that should be a line item. Frankly, we're already investing money in this. And so to make it a line item makes perfect sense. I've transcribed that entire discussion that she had with Stephanie Langenegger and posted that on the Queen City Improvement Bureau website, queencityib.com, under memos. And so if you want to read everything that the mayor had to say that day, where she spoke at length and beautifully about how great Housing First is, how you know passing this motion and funding Housing First will uh, help people on their healing journeys. So she was 100% in line with that. But then by September, everything started to fall apart. And then as we know, uh, that line item did not end up in the budget. Councillor LeBlanc uh, brought a court action against the uh, city manager's office with Councillor Stevens and Florence Stratton uh, as the complainants in that case. And the judge ultimately found against them. But in the background to all of this, the mayor then used this Well, took this opportunity to accuse LeBlanc and Stevens of sexism for, uh, you know, doing this to the first uh, woman city manager that the city had ever seen. And the city manager also indicated that she felt, you know, somehow harassed or bullied or threatened by this court action. This whole thing has been, you know, hanging over council since December. And apparently two people... Uh, lodged formal complaints with the integrity commissioner against Stevens and LeBlanc for bringing this court action against the city manager. Their rationale for it was like the, the key bits that she found were, were valid were that ultimately that a court, like any kind of like legal proceeding, any kind of lawsuit is a pain, but, and that, <clears throat> that this seriously inconvenienced uh, Nikki Anderson. She didn't, interestingly, this integrity commissioner, the integrity commissioner did not find any harassment. She said that a lawsuit is an, in and of itself is not disrespectful. And she basically said that LeBlanc and Stevens treated the city manager with respect and with fairness and with understanding, but that, you know, be that as it may, a lawsuit brought against her office was a serious inconvenience for somebody who's just starting in the job. So she asked that Stevens and LeBlanc apologize for this and didn't really come across in her report, but under questioning at council, she noted that she felt this was important, not just for the city manager, but for Stevens and LeBlanc to have an opportunity to reflect upon what they did and to, you know, put themselves in somebody else's shoes. It was all very elementary school teacher, I thought. And then um, the other aspect to it that she felt had, uh, had some like bite to it was that by going the court route, uh, Stevens and LeBlanc, uh, as the judge found, there were other options they could have taken. And by leaping to the uh, lawsuit, that they were making counsel look very dysfunctional. They were making it look like the only way the counselors could get anything done was to go to the courts. Wow. Why, why would they think that? Why, why, would, why would those actions portray that impression? I yeah. wonder. Yeah. So um, in that regard, she said that there should be some kind of like, you know, tisk tisk. That some, some fingers should be wagged 
at Andrews, uh, Andrew Stevens and uh, Dan LeBlanc. But she noted that there had been already a motion passed last December where council expressed their disappointment in those two councillors. Mm, and she right. felt that was sufficient, a sufficient reprimand has already been done. So really all she was asking for was an apology. But Councillor Stevens and Councillor LeBlanc, they got a chance to speak. Uh, I haven't clipped much of this out. I should put some of this up on the website uh, because it's very, very long. Uh, Stevens and uh, LeBlanc spoke at length. Basically, LeBlanc has said that he's not really going to apologize, that were he to apologize just for the inconvenience, it really is meaningless. He feels that he would just be told to do something. He would sign a piece of paper. It would be a meaningless apology. Steven said basically the same thing, although he conceded that, yeah, I can see how what we did was kind of a pain. I will happily apologize for that aspect of it. But Nikki Anderson, when she had her chance to speak, she said that a you know forced apology isn't an apology. And she talked about how uh, threatening that she found this whole experience to be, that she just starts in a new job. And an item that came out in the Integrity Commissioner's report was that uh, Councillor LeBlanc had met with Nikki Anderson before the draft budget was released, had said, if you don't put this line item in here, I'm going to have to go to court to compel you to put that line item in there. It would be my only option at that point. And so no surprise, he followed through. She said she found that experience. First of all, she didn't know that it would be a court action directed at her specifically and that, you know, it's her first you know, couple of weeks in the job and she gets threatened with a lawsuit by a city councillor. So it was all a very unpleasant experience for her. I understand how that's unpleasant, but I think as has been pointed out, it's not against her specifically. Yeah. It's, it's the office of the city manager. And it's unfortunate for her that she occupies the office of the city manager. And I would not like to start a job with a court action, you know, to, yeah. to, to deal with. I'm, I'm sure that would be, I'm sure that would be tough. Yeah. Uh, but to, to feel sort of personally threatened and harassed, just, I just find that, I find it hard to understand. I, I, I mean, obviously, I mean, well, actually, I have been sued. I have been the subject of a lawsuit against me personally, and I found it actually kind of funny, um, but it was stressful. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually quite stressful when it, when it happened. Um, but yeah, I, so, so in that, so as far as that goes, I sympathize, but it, it's, it's odd that it wasn't made more clear to Anderson that this was not against her personally. Um, and it's a shame that, yeah. that this, this is persisting. One thing she pointed out was she said that a lot of the discourse, even from counselors LeBlanc, and uh, other people involved in the uh, court action and with, you know, advocating for the court action. Uh, she was kind of targeted with this rhetoric of she, Nikki Anderson, was destroying democracy at the city. And she's like, that isn't directed at the office of the city manager. Well, well damn, Anderson, that don't stop directed. destroying. <laughs> stop destroying democracy. That's that's all they ask is not to destroy democracy. Sorry, I'm being very silly. I am I am not accusing Vicky Anderson of destroying democracy. Um, she was basically saying that's what was happening is that she was being accused of destroying democracy in Regina in her first month on the job, and that she um, she felt that 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 felt very personal, and that there was no way to sort of see that as a pro- professional critique. I, I would advise her not to look at Twitter then. Um, right. I can readily imagine somebody getting 
fired up on Twitter and and saying something like that because that's the way rhetoric goes on Twitter. You yeah. it, it can go to the extreme, but that yeah, you need to not pay attention to that stuff. My my God, don't do it, Anderson. Is that <laughs> I don't know what to say. That was ultimately Stephen's argument. He was like, you know, this comes with the job and that, you know, he was like, you're here right now doing city council work. Somebody is hating you from their Mm -hmm. own right now. That's the, that's the byproduct of acting, of doing something is that somebody is going to hate you. Yeah. And it's, and, and frankly, I mean, lots of people on Twitter get, I mean, they get death threats. They get, you know, yeah. sexual assault threats, et cetera. Like, you know, if specifically, particularly, I should say, if you're, if you're unfortunate enough to be on the left, um, yeah. being told that you're destroying democracy or that your actions are destroying democracy, I, I feel like getting off lightly. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So I don't know where this is going to end. Uh, after letting all the parties speak, the mayor uh, called a tabling motion and moved everything back to uh, they will be speaking in private session on Wednesday, uh, March 17th. And then whatever they decide, whatever sanction they decide to impose on LeBlanc and Stevens, if there is anything, will I, come out following week on the 24th. I just can't believe it's still going on. I, I find this. I find this baffling at this point like, yeah should yeah and councillor Stevens said part of the problem here is the integrity commissioner being involved that this would be over this would have been long over mm-hmm. yeah. this this integrity commissioner uh case hadn't happened personally so i i yeah that's that's it, a good point yeah i mean actually involving the commissioner means yeah. that the process means it becomes part of the process that has a time anyway sorry you were saying well, no, I just got to get something off my chest. I'm actually fairly ambivalent about the court case that LeBlanc and Stevens brought and amb- ambivalent in the sense of ambivalent, right? Like I'm mm. of two minds. Like I can, I can kind of see how, you know, if staff starts making decisions in contravention of council, that that needs to be stopped. Council administration doesn't run the city. Um, but at the same time, I don't know that this was, the most strategic play uh, if you have an interest in advancing a homeless, an anti-homelessness agenda at council. I don't know that this court action will serve to bring people together and achieve that. Um, But I don't know, right? Like I'm ambivalent about it. I don't know the answer on this. But at the end of the day, through all of this, I just want somebody to freaking acknowledge that this was freaking irregular. Like, Mm -hmm. The motion passed in June unanimously. Nobody was trying to trick anybody. It was written down. Councillor Brashani lodged her discon like she had concerns then that she raised and mm-hmm. still voted with the rest of council. So she knew what was going on. The mayor went on the radio the next day and friggin' talked about this like it was a really smart, just natural idea. And then somewhere between that June 16th morning edition interview and September, everything just started to change. And when the new city manager came in, even though the acting city manager had said, you know, I'm the city clerk, the motion is clear. This line item has to go in the budget. This all gets reversed between September and December. Something freaking irregular happened. And just to have, like, if somebody would just admit, I changed my mind, 
or boy, that was stupid what we did in June, or I'm a different person and I had to change my mind on this, <laughs> or I'm more interested in building arenas than I, than I was in building housing in June. Like just to have it recognized that this isn't right because I I'm getting pretty tired of all the gaslighting that's been coming from council where they do things and then they change things and say, you're the ones who are wrong. Yeah. You, the, you the, misunderstood the, the pretense that what, what, what irks me about it. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and, yeah, and this is uh, following up on what you're saying is this almost sort of like constant sort of sense from, from council that they can just say whatever they please, as if we don't have memories, as if yeah. things are not written down, yeah. as it, and, and it's just, and they just expect they just expect that to be good enough. But but you're dealing with with a democracy. You're dealing with policy that yeah. means something to the people of the city that elected you, yeah. and this the ongoing sort of pretense that they just didn't say what they said before and that we should all just move on yeah. and that we should just drag out and that we should drag out the the punishment of people who of like people on council who actually take steps to do something about this yeah is is just it's it's kind of exhausting but and and I think that the loss you know the I shouldn't say I'll say the court action, um, feels like, well, it may not have been a strategically great move in some sense, but I don't think it would have happened if we had a functional council. That's a good point. That, yeah. you know, or, you know, or a council that we could trust to actually follow up and commit to the course, you know, to, to whatever course they make without, it would be one thing if, like, as you said, to, to say, we have made a mistake. We need to change this. That would be, then they could debate it. Then they could like go through that process as unpopular as it might be. But to just simply try and pretend that it never happened. uh, I don't know. We, we, we see you, right? Well, on that happy note, we uh, time locks are opening up and we're out of time. All right. right. So I'm going to, I'm going to go find some things that I can watch and say coherent things about because I'm just, now I'm now I'm in a mood. Uh, all right. Well, I uh, then I, I I'll second the motion to. Uh, did you did you make the motion to adjourn? I didn't make the motion. Well, I'm going to make that motion. I'll second that motion. All right. Motion is seconded and passed. You've been listening to the Queen City from Bureau on 91.3 FM CJTR Virginia Community Radio. We are broadcast uh, from Thursday on Thursday evening, 7 8 p.m. and rebroadcast Monday afternoons, 3 to 4 p.m. on 91.3 FM. As I said, uh, you can also find us on Queen City IB at, on Twitter and QueenCityIB.com. And remember, that's Improvement Bureau, not Irritable Bowel. Stop making that mistake. We're tired of taking those calls. Coming up next, there is well, programming, music. It's going on all through the night. It never ends. It's a, it's a panoply of stuffs. That's all. Keep on improving, Regina. Regina.